guys. Before we begin today's episode, we want to take a moment to thank everyone who has contributed to our recent podcast survey. Your comments, ratings, and feedback have been really helpful. For anyone who has not taken the survey, please see the link in the show's description. All right, y'all. Now for today's episode. Then again, I am Marie Bartlett, and I am the director of the Adam Ivester Education Center here at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Today, I have with me Sophia Queen, manager of tours and education at the Georgia Capitol Museum, and we will be talking about the creation of the current Georgia State Capitol building and the museum located in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. So Atlanta has not always been the capital of Georgia. There have been five capitals in our state, the first being Savannah and then Augusta for a very short time, Louisville. And then there's, of course, Milledgeville, perhaps one of the more famous ones along with Savannah. But then finally, the most current capital and the actual current capital is Atlanta. So can you tell us how did Atlanta become the capital of Georgia? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so as you mentioned, we had the all these other capitals. The capitals basically moved westward and followed the expansion of the European population, European settlement in Georgia. So Atlanta was chosen as capital after the Civil War ended. So, and it was actually chosen based on how accessible it was. Now, I'm sure a lot of people, when they think about Atlanta, they think about traffic. It's difficult to get there. It's difficult to get through there, whatever, whatever. But when Atlanta was chosen as capital, it was actually one of the more accessible cities in Georgia. And this was because of the railroads. So Atlanta developed around the railroads. I know some people have heard the term terminus used. That was the first name of the city. And it was called that because it was the original end to the Western Atlantic Railroad that came from Chattanooga. So if you look at a map from 1868, there are so many railroads that cross through Atlanta, leaving Atlanta. It just, it's covered in railroads. And to this day, it's still, <laughs> there's still a lot of railroads here. I always joke that I've lived in five different places in Atlanta. I've always been woken up by a train at like 3 a.m. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you're inside of the perimeter, then you're probably going to hear a train. So that's part of our legacy here in Atlanta. It's still a part of the industry here. So that was one reason why Atlanta was chosen, because back in the 1860s, trains carried people as well as things. And another reason is because of its diversity. Atlanta was always a region that, or a city that welcomed immigrants, that welcomed diversity. There were multiple diverse neighborhoods. So Summerhill is one of the earlier diverse neighborhoods that's near where I currently live. And that was very meaningful to the newly emancipated population of the state that was able to weigh in on the statewide referendum. So Atlanta was chosen in a vote as the capital in the 1860s. So another factor was the city of Atlanta wanted to be capital so badly that they actually offered to provide land and some funding for the new capital building. So as we all know, money has a role in politics for sure. And that's absolutely true in the case of Atlanta becoming capital. For this reason, the Capitol building sits on the original location of the Atlanta City Hall site. 
And at the time, that was a really important business center for the city of Atlanta. Now, when you go to that area, you'll see a lot of vacant storefronts, things like that, because the center of commerce moved north along Peachtree Street. So can you tell me a little bit about the architectural design for the building that was chosen? So they have the land now. They're going to build a building there. How do they decide what the building is going to look like? That's a good question. They held a contest. So they had all of these different architectural firms submit designs. The winning design was from a firm called Edbrook and Burnham. And what's weird about this is this firm was from Chicago. If you know anything about the South, especially during the Reconstruction era, like we were not about doing business with Northerners. I'm sure that a lot of people are still have that mindset. But this was, it was a very weird choice for them to make. But this design incorporated a lot of what they wanted. They wanted it to be sort of a new or representing a new South. So they wanted a building that was open. They wanted a building that made government accessible to its people. So when you look at the design for the building, the historic main entrance is facing west, which some people think is pretty symbolic of like moving forward. It's also once you come in through the historic main entrance on your left hand side is the governor's office. On your right hand side is the secretary of state's office. So these were the two At this time, they were the only two constitutional offices in the executive branch. So they did as much as possible to make the building open and accessible, even though there was like some segregation. But anyway, so that's one of the reasons this design was chosen. It is, I've heard some people call it like a Renaissance revival, but I think the most common agreement among historical architects is that it's it's neoclassical. So it's a neoclassical design, though it does have a lot of sort of Greek architecture involved in the design, but that's what they chose at the time. And even today, that design is recognized as very formal. So it's a very formal setting. Now, the construction company that was chosen to execute the design was Milesend Horn, his construction company, And they won because of money. They bid $862,756.75 to build the new capital. I think it's funny that they go all the way into cents. I've never seen that in a construction bid before. But this was well under the government's budget of $1 million. So I think at the end, they used more than the, the bid but it was still under budget, which happens very rarely in government projects. Yes. So when was construction started? Construction began on November 13th, 1884, and the Capitol building took about five years to complete. So it was completed on March 20th, 1889. Though the state government wanted to rely primarily on resources from Georgia, like marble and granite, the contractors recommended the use of Indiana limestone for the exterior of the building. This stone would have cost less and came from a quarry that had facilities to dress large quantities of stone. So we did end up using marble for the floors of the Capitol. If you've ever been in there, it's just floor to floor marble, about one and a half acres. 
And the marble actually, even though it was coming from inside of Georgia, it cost $12,000 more than the limestone, which was used in significantly larger quantities and has to be brought in from Indiana, which is not close to Georgia. Yeah, so there is Georgia granite used in some places in the Capitol building, in the foundation, which you can't really see, and in the retaining walls on the grounds. So perhaps one of the most recognizable features of the Capitol building is its gold dome. So how did that come about? People think that the gold has been on the dome since the building was built, and that's just not true. The first dome of the building, it was actually not very well constructed. So I mentioned they were on a tight budget. They wanted to come in under budget just as an extra layer of difficulty. So the dome was the last thing they finished, essentially. And at this point, they were running really low on funds. So they kind of cheaped out on the dome. They used wood and tin roofing to complete it. And they cheated by painting it so that it would look like the stone exterior from the ground level. They were like, no one's actually going to be at eye level with this thing. So we can get away with pinching some pennies here. So these shortcuts meant that the dome needed pretty constant repairs because they just weren't using the best materials. By 1957, the dome needed major renovations. So there's even an image of, I think it's Ben Fortson, who is pretty famous in Georgia politics. He was in a wheelchair, but he was a very powerful man in the mid 20th century. He was brought up to the dome in his wheelchair. And there's a picture of him looking in on this huge hole that's just like letting water come into the building. So they needed to really redo the dome. And one of the engineers on the project, Gordon Price, was from Dahlonega, Georgia. And he wanted to use this renovation of the dome to celebrate his hometown. So if anyone knows anything about Dahlonega, Georgia, they know that it's where gold was discovered. So he suggested that the dome should be gilded in gold. Now the state was very concerned about funding this project because as we all know, gold is not cheap. But the citizens of Dahlonega and Lumpkin County stepped up and they offered to donate the gold necessary to cover the dome. They actually did this twice, once in the 1950s and then 19 years later in the 1970s. Both times we had a bit of a flair for the dramatic and decided to collect the gold ceremonially by using a wagon train to carry it from Dahlonega to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I'm not sure how it made it, made it to Atlanta without being stolen, but that's what they did, and it worked both times. Now, Capitol Dome had to be regilded again in the 1990s, so there was this big athletic event coming up that I'm sure most people remember, the Olympics in 1996. They wanted everything to look super shiny and new, including the Georgia Dome. So they had to regild it. But at this time, all of the mines in Dahlonega were closed. They were no longer extracting gold from the ground. Even though people in Dahlonega will tell you there's still gold up there, it's just hard to get to, right? So the state had to purchase this final layer of gold. And according to our records, this most recent layer came from Italy and cost the state government $30,000. This was in the 1990s. 
So that tells you there's not a ton of gold up there. We've been told there's about 85 ounces and that it's layered thinner than a piece of tissue paper. So it's, yeah, gold leaf. If you've ever seen it, it's really, really thin material. Today, the Georgia Building Authority repairs damage as it occurs rather than what they were doing previously was like waiting until half the gold was gone and then just like replacing all of it, which is a little expensive. Yeah, so they've changed how they do that now. So a lot of people will tell you the gold on the dome is from Dahlonega. Unfortunately, that's no longer true. Despite the overwhelming generosity of Dahlonega and Lumpkin County, I don't want to start a fight with you guys. We're very appreciative for what you've done in the past, but the current gold is not from Dahlonega anymore. Yes. So of of course, as the Northeast Georgia History Center, we are uh, very much uh, familiar with the Dahlonega Gold Rush and and the Georgia Gold Rush. It's a large part of our our exhibits as well. So if anyone's interested in that, they can, can learn more about it in our exhibits. And I also think we have a podcast that we have done about that in the past as well. Okay, nice. Now, of course, the Capitol building itself is is almost like a museum. It's a historic structure, but it's also a working seat of government. But then there is also a museum located within the Capitol, which I don't feel like most people know about. So can you tell us a little bit about this museum within the Capitol? It's almost like a museum within a museum. So can you tell us about this museum, how it got started, what's in it, uh, and all of that good stuff? Yeah, I would love to. So... The Capitol Museum is technically older than the Capitol building. So we do have some items in our collection that are paintings from the Milledgeville Capitol. These paintings were commissioned in the 1820s, uh, but those weren't originally part of the Capitol Museum's collections. So the original purpose of the Capitol Museum was to display natural resources in Georgia of scientific or economic value. So those are the exact, that's the exact verbiage from the bill that started the museum is scientific or economic value. So we were really looking to like show off what the state had to offer. The first display case was actually put up. So this was agricultural and mineral deposits in a display case put up in the Kimball Opera House. For anyone who doesn't know, the Kimball Opera House was the seat of government in between the time that government moved from Milledgeville to Atlanta. So that move happened in the 1860s. But as I said earlier, the Capitol wasn't completed until the 1880s. So they needed a home in that interim. And the Kimball Opera House was where our government happened for about 20 years. So that's where the original the very first museum exhibit was located was the Kimball Opera House. When the Capitol building was completed, they decided to grow the museum and they actually put the state geologist in charge of this whole thing, the museum. So very much focused on agriculture, geology, things like that. They also were commissioned to design displays for exhibitions like the Cotton States and International Exhibition in Atlanta, as well as I know the World's Fair in the 1930s in New York. The museum designed a series of dioramas for that exposition as well. So despite discussions at different times of creating a separate building for the Capitol Museum's displays, the exhibits have been on the building's fourth floor since 1895. 
So that's the year when the fourth floor was officially designated for exhibits for the museum. Now, we've had a lot of different objects in our collection. They include like fossils, as I've mentioned before, rocks and minerals, pieces from archaeological digs. We also had someone donate their collection of firearms. So I think it was Ben Fortson was really into collecting guns. So he just had a bunch of guns at one point. If you came into the Capitol building in the 1990s, you saw a very different, you had a very different experience on the fourth floor. It was full of cases, not very ADA accessible. Like they were just crammed all together on the floor. There were things hanging from the ceiling. It was a wild time. But in the 1990s, there was a restoration that happened to the building. So restoring the building to the way that it looked historically. Along with that project came a sort of culling of the museum. So the people involved in the restoration also worked to streamline the museum's goals. They identified three main narratives, Georgia history, Georgia resources, and civics education. All of our current exhibits relate in some way to these three themes. Though the majority of these exhibits are edging toward being 30 years old, which (laughs) any museum professionals will tell you, that's really old for an exhibit. We have had the opportunity to develop a few new exhibits, one on Georgia's modern agriculture and the other on Georgia's civil rights history. Both of these were funded through the Georgia General Assembly, which we're eternally grateful for. We're so excited to have these new displays. We also have a master plan for new exhibits moving forward, which would be more engaging because kids don't like to look at static exhibits anymore. (laughs) They want things that move and that are more interactive and things like that. And we, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of that in our current exhibits. So all we need for this master plan is funding in the near future. Um, so we're we're working on finding that to update our exhibits. Fantastic. What do you hope to, to see with your new exhibits? Well, we, like I said, we already have, we basically have the designs done. So like all the content is completed, the text is completed. So we're definitely going to be focusing more on civics education and more like interactive things. So more screens. Our most recent editions have both included touch screens. So one of them shows a video about the civil rights movement and women's suffrage. So it's sort of civil rights themed exhibit. And then the other one talks about urban agriculture, which is really cool. So it, it does a series of like oral histories with people who are managing urban farms in the Atlanta area. And the agriculture one was headed by Senator C. And then the civil rights one was headed by Emmanuel Jones. Who I think I know he's in the Georgia General Assembly, but I can't remember whether he's a representative or senator. And I don't want to get it wrong. So lawmaker Jones. Anyway, <laughs> so we would really love to have more exhibits that are of that kind. So we don't necessarily want to change the narratives we're talking about. We just want to update, you know, and make them more engaging for a modern audience. Absolutely. So if someone wanted to come and visit the Capitol Museum, how could they do that? Well, it's easier than it looks. So if anyone, for anyone who's not in the Atlanta area who hasn't driven by the Capitol, it kind of looks like the grounds have been under construction for like the past two and a half years. 
because there was a big project to put a fence around the Capitol building in 2020. So that project is completed, but there's uh, the the only public entrance currently is on Mitchell Street, and that street is close to vehicles. So you have to sort of park across the street and then like walk in. And it just looks really messy because they are doing a lot of construction on Mitchell Street. So even though you can't drive there, you can't walk there. Anyway, once you navigate all of that, <laughs> which it's you're allowed to, it just doesn't look like you're allowed to be there. So anyway, once you get past all of that, entrance is free. You do have to go through security just because it is a working capital building. So we have lawmakers there on any given day. Like we want to make sure that we keep all of our elected officials safe. So security just involves like putting your items through a x-ray scanner. And then you personally walk through a metal detector. We're very accommodating. Well, I say we, but I don't actually do this part of the part of the work, but the state troopers are very accommodating of people who have, you know, artificial limbs or like screws in places. Also, I know for pacemakers, you can't go through a metal detector, but like I said, very accommodating of anyone with those types of accessibility issues. So then once you're through security, you present your ID, just check in with the troopers, and then you're just free to roam around the building. I like to joke that as long as the door isn't locked, you can go in it, but please don't break into any rooms. Yeah, so what is typically open to the public is the second floor, which has portraits of former governors, as well as our portrait of Dr. King is also on the second floor. The third floor is where the paintings of famous Georgians who were not governor are. So if you're looking for a former lawmaker, former, we have a couple of former justices there, though most of the Supreme Court justice paintings are in the Supreme Court building, as well as like educators. The founder of the Girl Scouts is on the third floor. The poppy lady is on the third floor. Margaret Mitchell's on the third floor. Everyone like that. And then the fourth floor is where actual exhibits are. So our collections extend across the second, third, and fourth floor, but our exhibits are on the fourth floor. And that's where you can learn more about Georgia agriculture, Georgia history, politics throughout the ages. We have an entire wall dedicated to protest movements that happened in the Capitol prior to the 1990s. <laughs> so it's, I think it's a really great resource, even though we don't have a lot of the latest technology. You can still learn a lot from the Capitol Museum. That's fantastic. And you said it, it's basically open whenever the Capitol is open. Yeah, absolutely. So the downside of that is it's like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. weekdays and not open on holidays, but it is open year round. Yeah. So we offer we also offer guided tours that you can schedule ahead of time. So you do have to schedule them ahead of time, but they're also free, uh, which is one, a wonderful opportunity for Title One schools, things like that. And those are available Monday through Friday at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and 12 p.m. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, are there any questions that you wish I had asked or information that you wanted to share that you haven't gotten an opportunity to do yet? That's a good question. I, I don't really think so. I think the only thing that I would add is what I've heard from teachers is that it's really difficult to find a place that will give you like civics education. So teachers who are teaching government, things like that, they find it very difficult to find a field trip that relates to their topics. And we definitely offer that at the Capitol Museum. 
So we definitely talk about how laws are made, the structures of government, the three branches. We do our best to relate all of our topics to Georgia Standards of Excellence. So we love doing field trips. That's our <laughs> our bread and butter, basically. And yeah, if, if there's a teacher listening to this and they're struggling to find civics education resources, we offer guided tours in person. We offer virtual tours. We also have some open educational resources available on our website as well. So, yeah. That's fantastic. We also here at the Georgia History Center, we try to, you know, be a resource to our educators because they do such a wonderful job and we just want to to support. Absolutely. Anything to make a teacher's job easier. (laughs) That's our goal. Yeah. So to end our podcast, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite artifact or piece of history from the Georgia State Capitol building and or museum? Oh, I have so many. (laughs) There are so many wonderful stories represented in the walls of the Capitol. But I think just for time's sake, I'm going to say we have a spittoon on display. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, a spittoon is something that was used when lots of people chewed chewing tobacco. And it was basically like a fancy, it looks like a vase, but it's like a flared opening and then it sort of cinches in. And then there's like a big, I don't know, like vessel at the bottom that contains people's spit. It's what it's for. So along with that spittoon on our display case, there's a quote and I can't remember the exact wording, but it basically says that there's so, and it's a quote from a newspaper. So this was actually published. It says that there's so much spit happening at the Capitol building that it could float a Navy vessel. And that's in relation to a Navy, like funding for a new Navy Navy vessel. Yeah, so I just like to think of how ordinary people in government are and were and will continue to be because we always think about them as being like very formal and stuffy, but they were also spitting tobacco juice all over the Capitol building. (laughs) Yes, that's one of my favorite items on display. I think that that's fantastic to end on. (laughs) Just the, the idea that, you know, even though they're in this grand old building that people are just people and have always been people yeah. doing <laughs> things that people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, making- I will say, I don't think I've seen anyone chewing tobacco in modern politics. Like, I don't think we do that anymore, but people are people. Yeah. <laughs> then again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of THENAGAIN. Thanks, y'all.